0: Hey everyone, welcome. This is Lucas Granger, lead pastor of Coastal Church. It is our hope that you will find this podcast today challenging, inspiring, and practical as we seek to reach the world with the life-giving message of Jesus Christ. Enjoy. Daniel chapter 3. We're in a series called Transitions. And, you know, we've been looking, Pastor Lucas has been sharing a lot about How we're going from one place, we're not where we once were, and today we are expecting to go to where God has us to go, and there's a transition involved, and this morning, God just kept playing over and over and over again in my spirit this set of passages, so I want to uh, just share it with you this morning. Nebuchadnezzar, Daniel chapter 3, King Nebi, scripture reads, New Living Translation: King Nebuchadnezzar made a gold statue ninety feet tall and nine feet wide, and set it up on the plain of Dora in the province of Babylon. Then he sent messages to the high officers, officials, governors, advisors, treasurers, judges, magistrates, and the provincial officials to come to dedicate to the dedication of the statue he had set up. So all of these officials came and stood before the king's statue. That he had set up. Then a herald shouted out, People of all races, nations, and languages, listen to the king's command. When you hear the sound of the horn, flute, czar, lyre, harp, pipes, and all the other musical instruments, bow to the ground and worship King Nebuchadnezzar's gold statue. Anyone who refuses to obey will immediately be thrown into the blazing furnace. So at the sound of the music instruments and all the people, whatever their race, nation, or language, bowed to the ground and worshipped the gold statue that King Nebuchadnezzar set up. But some of the astrologers, this translation says, went to the king and informed on the Jews. They said, King Nebuchadnezzar, long live the king. You issued a decree or a law requiring all the people to bow down and worship the golden statue when they hear the sound of all those instruments. You issued a decree. That decree also states that those who refuse to obey must be thrown into the blazing furnace. But there are some Jews, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, whom you have put in charge of the providence of Babylon. They pay no attention to you, Your Majesty. They refuse to serve your gods and do not worship the golden statue you set up. You just got to love people sometimes. Then Nebuchadnezzar flew into a rage and ordered that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be brought before him. When they were brought in, Nebi asked them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you refuse to serve my gods or to worship the golden statue that I have set up? I will give you one more chance, one more chance to bow down and worship this statue I have made when you hear the music. But if you refuse, you will be thrown immediately into a blazing furnace, and then what God will be able to rescue you from my power? Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, this morning that your word, it's live it's moving it's active it always achieves the purpose for which you sent it so father we thank you this morning that your word will not and cannot fall on deaf ears and hearts this morning lord we thank you that that these things in which you have revealed through your word and in our lives we just ask that you would just make them even more real even more relevant help us this morning lord As we desire to be more like you. Amen. King Nebuchadnezzar sets up. He decides, because he thinks he's part deity, that he's going to set up a a statue. He builds a statue ten stories tall and about a truck-width or truck-wide, truck-long-wide statue. And says to everybody in the nation, everybody in the providence, all people, all nations, all languages... Listen, here's the decree. When the music plays, you worship. You bow down in worship to my statue. And if you do not, I will throw you in the fiery furnace. Three Hebrew young men, probably around 14 ish to early 20 ish, defies the decree. King decides he wants and will show everybody what he's made of, and he decides to throw these guys into the fiery furnace. Then it comes to the point of the text that I want to launch at and from. Nebuchadnezzar asks a question, the question that is so relevant in our lives that we must look at it. He says to these guys, let me get it right. He says, and then what God will be able to rescue you from my power? What God can rescue you from my power? Nebuchadnezzar was probably the most powerful man on earth at this time. He had the most powerful nation at this time. So he, was, he had the authority to do what he was planning on doing. This question is so relevant to our faith it is, it is the question of all questions. It is the Super Bowl or the World Series or the Olympics of questions. Then what God can deliver you out of your furnace? The way we answer that will determine whether or not we walk in victory as followers of Jesus Christ or we live a life of roller coastering up and down, having victories and defeats, victories and defeats. How do you answer the question? Critical, critical that we understand who is the God that can deliver you out of your furnace? Who is the God that can deliver you from the furnace of cancer, from broken marriages, from addictions, from loneliness, from abuse, from all those furnaces that we tend to have to walk through in our lives? Who is the God that can deliver you from the power of this world? The answer is so, so important. Jesus asked the same thing to his guys, to his people. He come up and he says, all right, who do they all say I am? Talking to his disciples. And they, they chimed out, oh, they'd say you're a prophet of old. You're Elijah, you're John the Baptist, you're this, you're that. And Jesus like, okay, I heard what they say points to Peter and says, what do you say? And today God is pointing to you and says, what do you say? Peter at the time says, you are the son of the living God. Jesus looks back at Peter and says, blessed are you, Pete, because my Father in heaven revealed this to you like no man could ever do. Peter knew the answer to the question. Those guys, those Hebrew young men, they knew the answer to the question. Today, do we know the answer to the question? There's two hurdles that I see, at least for the context of our talk this morning, that can hinder us from answering that question with the right answer. First off, he says, I'm going to throw you into the furnace. Here's the consequence of your disobedience to this decree. You're going to burn in a furnace. Fear is the, is the tool in which the enemy uses to stop victories in the lives of, of, of God's people. It is that thing in which we need to know without a shadow of a doubt that is not going to stop me. Fear it is so prevalent that there is a scripture for every day of the year concerning fear. All your dreams and hopes are on the other side of that fear. We have to crush the fear. These guys crushed the fear. You can't tell me they weren't apprehensive about walking into a fiery furnace, bound, right? It's crazy if we think about it. But these guys, they were and are and they know who that God is that can deliver them. They know the promises of God. They trust the promises of God. They understand what God promises is a done deal. Joshua 1 and 9, we've been in Joshua for a little while now. And and see if you find any kind of connections here. Joshua 1 9, this is my command, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Deuteronomy says, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them. For the Lord your God will will, will go with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Jesus loved, I mean, thank you, Jesus. Isaiah tells us, listen, for I am your Lord your God, who takes hold of your right hand and says to you, do not fear. I will help you. Do not be afraid, for I myself will help you, declares the Lord, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. Excuse me. So many times, Scripture speaks to this fear. See, the enemy knows that if we can focus, and Pastor Lucas even talked about this earlier in 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 our series, if we can focus on Jesus Christ, we know that we can get, oh, we, we are more than overcomers. We are joint heirs with Christ. We can, def- can, can have victory in this thing. But the enemy knows that. So, what does he need to do? He needs to put something in between us and our furnace or us and our God. Fear stands in between Jesus and us a lot of times. God wants us to walk in that victory. But many times there's fear in the way. Fear in the way. Hold on to that. And the other thing that I see a lot from being around this Christian ease for a long time is that the other hurdle is our own doing or my own doing and potentially your own doing. And what that is is indifference, indifference. We write our stuff on the stage in the past and, and we're told to pray and fast about our one word and all that. My word for this year is indifference. Indifference. How can I explain indifference? The best way I can explain indifference is, eh, eh. Going to church this week, eh, eh, maybe. I was thinking about it. Join a growth group this week. Eh, well, you know, I was thinking about it, but eh, eh. Hey, we're building the ramp for this guy. You want to come help us? Eh, you know, really got nothing to do, but eh. It's indifferent. We're just, sometimes there are many times when God tells us to be and do and, and achieve great things for him and his kingdom, and we're just eh. Been baptized yet? Eh, I was thinking about it. Eh. Grow box. Well, you know, it looks cool, but, yeah, you know, I just don't really know. Indifference. Indifference will stop what I call perfect persuasion. These guys, these three young men, they were perfectly persuaded. And what that means is that your heart, your mind, your soul, your all of your being is all in for Jesus Christ. You know that what God says My mind agrees with it, my heart agrees with it, and my deeds are going to agree with it. Indifference will stop perfect persuasion. Romans puts it this way. I am convinced or perfectly persuaded that nothing could ever separate us from the love of God. Say nothing. Nothing Nothing could ever separate you and me and all that he has been given from the love of God. Neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither fears for today or worries for tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate you from his love. When we get that in our spirit, we will become one step closer to being perfectly persuaded, perfectly persuaded. All of me agrees that what God says is real. All of me agrees, says, that when God asks something of me, that I would go and be and do and, and have the right motivation in my heart for the kingdom and for, to serve my Lord. Indifference plays a huge part in undercutting that perfection and persuasion. Perfectedly persuaded. I know without a shadow of a doubt who my God is. You know without a shadow of a doubt who your God is. We know the promises that He gave us are yes and amen in Christ Jesus. The things that He says He will do, He will do. He has never failed. He has never not shown up when He said He was going to be. He is always right on time. Come on, church. God is good. Indifference, a lack of interest. Lack of interest in here, anybody? Don't put your hand up. Check your heart. Are you getting your church check mark today? Are you here interested in the truth of how I can take my next step to be more devoted and sold out and all in for Jesus Christ? Or perfectly persuaded that I want to be a part of something bigger than myself? Indifference. We all know, probably we've heard WWJD, right? What would Jesus do? I think it needs to be changed for the church, the Western church. Not you guys, people I know. Or not you, the person next to you. Whatever it may be, I know Jesus or God. Indifference makes him sick. It does. When Jim is indifferent, when God says, Okay, I really want you to go and pray with that person, or I really want you to give that way, or I really want you to serve in that manner, or or whatever it may be that God gives us to do, I know. That indifference cannot be a part of it because it'll hurt my perfectly persuaded person. What would Jesus change? Indifference. Matter of fact, he says, "I'd rather you be hot or cold. Don't be in the middle. Don't be disinterested. Don't be that way. Makes him nauseous." The text tells us that you know he he makes him sick. Just leave it at that. Listen, verse 16 through 18. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Oh, Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God whom serve, we serve is able to save us. He will rescue us from your power, your majesty. But even if he doesn't, we want to make it clear to you, your majesty, that we will never, say never, we will never serve your gods, or worship the golden statue you've set up. There is no fear and there is no indifference in these guys. Listen, they're not only not following the decree, they're making it perfectly clear in the presence of the most powerful man on earth, we're not only not going to do it, I'm telling you straight up, it ain't never going to happen. Forget about it. I know who I am. I know who my God is. I know who's going to meet me there. We, as the church of Jesus Christ, we need to allow God to move in a way that we will never compromise to the culture. We will never serve other idols. We will never bow down to certain things that aren't of God. Right? Now, there's some of us sitting in this room saying, I don't do that. What are you talking about, man? I'm Christian. We don't do that. Well, sometimes... Maybe not you, me. Sometimes it's me who allows whatever it may be to stand between me and the furnace. What's in between me and my God? That's the idol that we bow down to. Whatever it is, whatever temptation it is to not fully trust in what Christ has done, that is my idol. God would have us to seek our hearts this morning and see if there are any idols. See that when those things are revealed to our hearts, because they will be, we will say, just as they said, we will never serve that idol again. No indifference, no fear, just passion for the king and the kingdom. Amen? In a dark, very broken world, how could these three guys do what they did? Think about it. How could they sacrifice a terrific, horrific death when all this junk was around them? It would be the equivalent of, OK, let's say these guys are 14, when Babylon took over, conquered the, the, the Providence. It would be like Columbus County coming to the Brunswick County, taking your kids out of your house taking everything that you owned and shipped you off as a slave. That's these guys. So much so that they even changed their name to be slaves for the kingdom, for the culture, for the kingdom and the culture. These guys were perfectly persuaded that they would find God in the fire. I'm convinced that the only way a human being could run to such horrific end was that I know that Jesus is over there in the fire. I know that my fire of cancer or brokenness or, or hurts or, or whatever your furnace may be, whatever it may be, doesn't matter. They were perfectly persuaded. Verse 19. Nebuchadnezzar was so furious with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego that his face became distorted with rage. He commanded them, he commanded, wait, sorry, he commanded that the furnace be heated seven times hotter than usual, which really makes no sense except for the fear thing because it's going to kill them sooner and there'll be less suffering involved. But it's all about fear, it's all about intimidation, it's all about stopping or putting something in between me and my furnace or my God there. Whatever it may be. But suddenly, Nebuchadnezzar, wait, back up. So they tied them up and threw them into the furnace, fully dressed in their pants, turbans, robes, and other garments. And because the king, in his anger, had demanded such a hot fire in the furnace, the flames killed the soldiers that threw the men in. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, securely tied, fell into the roaring flames. But suddenly, Nebuchadnezzar jumped up in amazement and exclaimed to his advisors, didn't we tie up three guys and throw them in there? Yes, your majesty, we certainly did, they replied. King Nebi says, look, I see four men, unbound and walking in the fire, unharmed, and the fourth looks like a god. These guys, they were perfectly persuaded that when they got to the fire, their God would be there. Why? Because their God's scriptures, his promises were breeded into them, were fed into them, and and they believe, and they trust, and they have the faith it takes to run to a fire. Run into a fire. Romans 15 puts it this way. I pray that God, the source of hope, Paul says, will fill you completely with joy, peace, and you trust him. That when you overflow with the confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit, 1 Peter, but sanctify your hearts, Christ as Lord, being ready always to give an answer to every man for the reason for your hope. The only way these guys can run into a furnace, a fiery furnace, as the culture all around them are are demeaning them, is the fact that they understand They understand that Jesus Christ is their hope, that God is their hope. We should understand that our entire faith walk must be surrounded by hope. Without hope, no one can survive very long. Jesus Christ is our hope. He is our power. The power of the gospel is Christ crucified He suffered and died a sinner's death for me and for you. That's how I know that he is a good God and he's after me. In the fire, chains will be broken. It's in the fire where we find our God and those things that bind us, those things that hold us back from the victories and, and a greater faith walk with Christ, those things Are the things in which God desires to remove from us? A lot of times, it's those things that that are counterproductive for what God has for me. Um, It's real quick. There was a time in my life a little while ago, a couple decades ago, that I was a part of a of a marriage that was failing. When I found out that the marriage was failing, it was complete news to me. But when I found out that it was failing, which is probably half the problem, is there was a serious fire pit involved. Any of you ever been through a divorce? You understand a little bit of that fire. You understand a little bit of that furnace and the challenges that come. And you know what? I I believed that God could redeem my marriage. I did everything I possibly could do in God's sight to, to whatever it would take to make this work because I know that that's God's heart. And you know what? It failed. You can't control everybody. You can only control what you can control. But listen, my marriage failed. And my wife at the time decided that she didn't want this God thing and she didn't want any part of this, this direction I was going in. So she left and left. And it failed. The marriage failed, which I will take 100% responsibility for that. But the fact of the matter is that it's extremely difficult, one of the hardest things I've ever had to go through. But you know what? In that fire, in that furnace of brokenness, in in that furnace where all the truth that I understood to be true automatically changed and it wasn't what I thought it was anymore, it's in that fire that those things hurt. They hurt. But you know what? Those were some of the sweetest times for me because my God was in that fire with me. He allowed those things that that would hinder me from being what God's called me to be to fall off in that fire. The fire refines. Those chains that are binding us today, they're torn apart in the fire. We tend to try to stay out of the fire when when in, in reality, people of faith, we run to the fire because I know that's where God is. That's the only way I can be perfectly persuaded to run into a furnace is if I know without a shadow of a doubt Jesus was gonna be there. Isaiah 43 tells us that God is gonna walk with me in the floods. And in the fire. And you know, knowing that truth, it's, it's much more attractive to sacrifice, even a living sacrifice, to a God who's going to show up. There are people in this place poised for a promotion. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, when they come out of the furnace, the text says what? The text says, and then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, to a higher position than they were before. There are people in this place positioned for a promotion. There are people here today that you've been in a fire, you've been in a, 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 a trial that is so heated and so, so life-changing that once you have stepped out, God wants to take you to a new place. A new place spiritually. A new place in God's favor where others can see the power of God. A new new favor of God which brings glory to God in all that we do. Should. God is faithful. So listen. Nebi, remember that question in the beginning? Nebuchadnezzar says, then what God can deliver you from my power? I find it crazy that the dude answered his own question. Verse 29, therefore I make a decree, if any people, whatever their race, nation, or language speaks a word against the God of Shavak, Meshach, and Abednego, they will be torn limb from limb, and their houses will be turned upside down in the heap of rubble. I guess that's their method of operation. That's how they do things. But then he says, answering his own question, there is no other God, a pagan king saying there is no other God who can rescue like this? Amen. Come on. There's no other God. Jesus Christ. God didn't put out the fire, He just allowed Christ to be in it. They came out without any smoke, not without anything that any effects on them. I'll leave you with this scripture. Jesus told his disciples, we all know, go out there, make disciples, right? Teach them, baptize them, in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, teach them to follow all the things that I've commanded you, right? Then he goes on and says, and be sure of this. Church, and be sure of this. Jesus says, I am with you always, even until the end of the age. In other words, there's going to be some challenges for you to get out there to deal with, but you know what? I want you to remember and be sure of this. I am always with you. If we can get a hold of the truth that Christ is always with us, we can run into any fire. We can run into that fire of cancer. We can run into that fire of loneliness, brokenness, addiction, whatever the furnace may be. If we know that we know that we know that Christ is going to be there, he will always be there. He will never leave me. He will never leave you. Indifference burns away. Fear is no more. It's all about the glory and the power in the presence of Jesus Christ in our lives and in that furnace. So listen, if you're in here and you're in a furnace today and you're having a hard time, you're in the midst of the toughest thing you've ever been through, listen, God wants to meet you there. Matter of fact, God promised, you like it or not, he's going to meet you there. Now listen, listen, All people, we've all fallen short. We've all missed the mark. It's only through the grace of God that any of us can stand before him and say, you are my God. You are the only God that can deliver. But there's some in here today that don't know this. You may know it up here, right? But it's not up perfectly persuaded situation. It is not your heart, your mind, your soul all agree that this is the truth. Let's bring it to the the point. The point is that if you don't know Jesus, if you don't have a relationship with Christ and all your hope is in Christ, you will never get to the place that God has called you to be. It's only when we come to a place of understanding. And you know what? God gives the understanding. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. If you would like to explore more resources just like this, take a moment and download the Coastal Church app. Also, if you would like to give financially to support the ministry here at Coastal, go to mycoastalchurch.com slash giving. God bless and have a wonderful week.